Hi, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward. And I'm your other host, Kurt Flegel. And we're calling this episode, The Answer to Anxiety. Kim, what's the answer to anxiety? Wow, you're back at me already. (laughs) I just wanted to see what you would say. So here's where we're going to start. We're going to jump into some scripture. We don't always do this. Very rarely do we start here, which is interesting. So we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 30. This is a story of David who becomes king of Israel, of all of Israel, and a second king, actually, of Israel. And his reign is known as the Golden Age. And we can see why that is. At least get a hint of why that is in this passage. So what we're going to be looking for in this is the answer to anxiety, right? At least the beginning hints of that. So we're going to pick it up, Kim, if you'll read starting in uh, verse 1. And basically just going down to, to verse 8. Okay, I'll do the ESV translation. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day... The Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went on their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had also been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. Okay, so David and his men are in a place called Ziklag with their families. David is on the run from Saul, who's king of Israel at this moment, and What's interesting is, like, all of these men that are with him are basically outcasts, you know, on the fringes of society. And David himself, right, is an outlaw in the eyes of most of Israel. If the king is after you... Yeah, you must have screwed up pretty bad somewhere. Yeah, I mean, the king is the law, right? Yeah. At one point, David had a great reputation in Israel and was known to be a hero, and he went from hero to zero, just like that, because of... You know, Saul, who was actually just jealous of David and pursuing him. So they're hiding out in this place called Ziklag, and he and his men are traveling, trying to get enough food to do whatever they can to to make ends meet for their families. And when they come back to where their wives and kids are, they find that they've been taken captive by raiders, right? Yeah. So how do David's men react? Well, I mean, first they're upset. It says they were bitter in their spirit. You know, they have to find someone to blame, and they have to find someone within reach. You know, they're like, hey, let's stone David. Which, you know, in those days meant picking up a bunch of rocks and killing him, right? Throwing them at him. That's what stoned meant. Yeah. 
Typical human nature. Let's blame the leader. It's his fault. Yeah. Okay, so here's the scene. All of their wives and all of their children are gone, been taken captive. He has a force of men to go chase after them. And on top of that, his men are blaming him. So if you're in David's position, what's the temptation? Well, (laughs) if I'm David, first I'm getting a little anxious, which makes sense, because there's a lot more of them than there are of me. And then you kind of, too, you want to find someone to blame. You're like, well, God, I'm following your directives, (laughs) doing what you said. And first I'm getting chased by a crazy king, which, you know, that wasn't bad enough. Right. But now, both my wives, all my men's wives... Everything that is actually valuable to us has all been taken. And on top of that, they're blaming me. That's a lot of anger Mm -hmm. and anxiety. Yeah. So usually when we blame God, we're not going to trust him. So what do we do? Try to fix it ourselves. Right. We take matters into our own hands, right? Mm -hmm. And so the temptation would be to take matters in your own hands. Got all these men. They want to kill you. Go chase down these guys, right? Yeah. In any context, really, even if David's not mad, it would still be an easy decision, like the obvious choice. It's like the no-brainer, right? (laughs) Let's go, right? Let's just go and do this. But that's not what David does. No, no, it's not what David does. Um, I love it says, but David strengthened himself and the Lord is God. Uh, The message, I actually kind of liked how the message said it. It said, David strengthened himself with trust in his God. Mm. Reminding himself of who God is in that moment. And then instead of taking it on his own shoulders, he's like, okay, let's consult God and see what God has to say about that before we start making any major decisions. And what did God say? He said, yeah, go for it. Go after him. That's interesting because you said he strengthened himself in the Lord. And here's what that looks like to me is when God says, yes, David is encouraged, right? Mm. Yeah. The word encouraged, right, when we're encouraged, literally means to put courage in. Like the word en is synonymous with in. Mm-hmm. So in seeking God and not just assuming, you know, this is what we have to do and just making that assumption, David stops, seeks God, and gets encouraged by God to go for it. So he literally, God places courage or strength in him by that answer. That's amazing. I, I mean, this is, if this is not an anxiety-inducing situation or even, a, you know, bringing on a panic attack, yeah. I don't know what is. And yet David did not cave to the pressure to just make a quick decision. He stopped, took the time, despite the pressure from these guys who were like, Uh, probably on the verge of wanting to kill him is what it seemed like. He stopped, took the time to consult God. I think sometimes for us, even taking the time to stop even for 60 seconds Mm. to consult God, and, and that may have been all it took, but for us to do that seems like forever when we're in the heat of decision making, right? We had Jeff Calaguire, my life coach, on a few episodes back, and he talked about... The decision-making process, how our brain works, is there's actually about a 10-second gap between the time we have a thought and we make a decision to act on that thought. 
And in that 10 seconds, it feels like epic, like a long time. But 10 seconds really isn't a lot of time. And it could have been that. Literally, David could have felt the pressure, felt like he needed to make a decision, and yet took that moment to just ask God, should we do this or not, that fast, and got an answer that fast in the heat of the moment. This is what's amazing, is how prayer really is the answer to our anxiety. And yet, there's this crazy thing that we don't think we have the time to pray. (laughs) Or that there's this idea, a weird idea, I think, that has developed even among Christ followers. And I'll I'll point that out as we go into 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. So this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a church in an ancient Roman city called Thessalonica. And why don't you read 5, 16 through 18? Yeah. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Read it one more time. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I have a good friend of mine, Mike. He loves asking people, do you want to know what God's will is for you? And they're like, yeah, I really do want to know what God's will is. And he'll then quote that verse. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though, about that. Thinking about praying all the time, nonstop. What is a, you know, a thought that can come into your head? That sounds exhausting. <laughs> exactly. Right? Human nature, right? But really... What is more exhausting? Carrying those burdens all the time? Just carrying them on our shoulders? Or praying about them and giving them to God? Which is really more exhausting? Realistically, trying to carry it ourselves is always more exhausting. When we are carrying these things, rather than giving them to God in prayer, what is usually our emotional state? Normally exhausted, cranky, grouchy. There's certainly not any peace in there. Right. You tend to be kind of on a hair trigger at that point because then anything else that gets added in is just one thing too much. It's not really a fun time for you to be around other people or for other people to have to be around you in that moment. Well, So that's kind of the external level. You're grouchy, you're cranky towards people. But internally... What are some of the things you're feeling? What would be some descriptors of a person who's carrying these burdens? I mean, yeah, anxious is obviously where we're going. Anxiety, stress, depending on what it is, could be some depression. There's just that feeling of burden. There's all that responsibility that comes with not giving it over to God and knowing that whatever you're facing is too, realistically, is probably too big for you. Yeah. How many people are taking medication for these things? Yeah, there are a lot. And yet we have this innate, almost default attitude about 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, when it says, pray without ceasing. We're fine to take pills, we're fine to do these other things, but when it comes to God's invitation to pray, we scoff at that. Isn't that interesting? We would rather take a pill to try to 
deal with this anxiety, which doesn't really get to the root of the issue, right? It's still, the anxiety and the problem is still there. It's just amazing to me how we've turned into this nation of, of pill takers. And one of my heroes, a guy named Tim Coop, who to me, I mentioned him before, who just showed, displayed the character of Jesus like almost no one I've ever met. He pastored and discipled and counseled people, you know, of all races, just the biggest variety of people, you know, uh, across 50 years of ministry. Mm-hmm. And he said, whatever his counseling appointment would be about marriages, financial situations, he goes, I have one pill. Speaking of pills, <laughs> I have one pill that I would suggest, no matter what their issue. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the Kurt International Version, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. And God's peace will guard your heart and your mind. I mean, that's an amazing promise. Who doesn't want peace constantly, you know, guarding their hearts and minds? Do you know where Paul is when he writes that? He writes this letter to um, the church in an ancient Roman, another ancient Roman city called Philippi, right? Do you know where Paul is when he's writing that letter to the church of Philippi? Pretty sure he's in prison. He is in prison. And what's interesting about him being in prison when he... I mean, first of all, that's pretty amazing. Here's Paul writing to them. Mm-hmm. A guy who's in prison. And it's not like our prisons where they get fed and, you know, it's like pretty good accommodations. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in prison. But comparative to what Roman prison looked like, it's good. Because most of the time, other people are having to provide the food for you. The conditions aren't great. And he is chained to a guard 24-7. So think about that verse again, right? I mean, he uses very specifically the word guard. Mm -hmm. Don't be anxious for anything, right? Yeah. When you're anxious, immediately pray with thanksgiving. And the promise is, peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And what he's really picturing there is peace being chained to us so closely like this guard was chained to him. Can you imagine the promise of peace being like chained to you, never leaving you? Chained to your heart, chained to your mind. So that anxiety can't get in there. Like a guard fighting off with a sword every time an anxious thought or feeling comes in. That's amazing. Yeah. That's Paul's imagery. What does it look like to pray unceasingly? It's simply when you notice a worried thought or anxious thought, just in that moment, immediately turn it over to God. Don't let it settle in your heart. You're the air traffic controller over every thought and feeling you have. 
you, you can't control what thought comes in or what feeling comes in, but you can control which one settles. Paul's like, learn, grow into noticing the anxious thought or feeling as soon as it comes in and not letting it settle. Immediately flip it. Flip it to God. This is what I love to call spiritual Aikido. The martial art of Aikido that Steven Seagal, the actor, made famous in the 80s and early 90s was the martial art where you would use your enemy's force against them. So if somebody comes at you, running at you to throw a punch, you flip them. You take all of their physical, you know, their physical force that they're coming at you with and use it to flip them over, right? The enemy is shooting anxiety like a gun at you or an arrow at you. Paul says elsewhere, he calls it the, I think it's Paul that calls it the flaming arrows of the enemy. The flaming arrows of the enemy are fear, anxiety, worry. He's shooting those at us, expecting us to catch on fire and run with it, right? Instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, instead of flip it to God, instead of stop, drop, and roll, right? He's expecting us to get hit by this flaming arrow of anxiety and go running off into the night screaming in flames. You can learn the spiritual, you know, the spiritual discipline of Aikido, Noticing when the enemy shoots that arrow of anxiety, that thought or feeling at you. Grabbing that arrow and immediately, you know, just deflecting it to God with one key thing. Thanksgiving. Not just prayer. It's praying with Thanksgiving. Why is Thanksgiving important? Well, I think the big thing is it changes your perspective. It kind of refocuses. I I tend to use the camera equivalence a lot. It's makes sense for me you know when you change lenses and you have to refocus the lens you have to be very specific or you still wind up with a blurry image that no one knows what the heck you were trying to do with it but thanksgiving even in those situations reminds you of what the picture actually looks like and what you're shooting for i love it was lisa turkhurst who who gave the three things it's god is good God is good to me, and God is good at being God. Circumstances may not be good, but it doesn't change the truth of the fact that God himself is good. So when you're putting yourself in a position of gratitude and thanksgiving, it helps remind you of the truth that you get to walk in. I I think back to even just a couple weeks ago when I was on your porch and I was wrestling like crazy. I knew I had all the stuff I needed to talk to you about but didn't want to talk to you about it because it felt like ground we had covered before. And I was at this point where I was like, God, I am so tired of having to explain why I'm hurting. That's not fun to do. There's something about grief denied or that you have to explain That is not fun. It adds an extra layer to the grief. But I remember sitting there and I was like just bawling my eyes out because, you know, the beauty of the porch. (laughs) I'm I'm hidden. (laughs) My porch is a great place to hide. I I am a fan. There's a a lot of vegetation. It It is great. I get the beauty of constantly being reminded of God's creativity and his presence, which nature does that for me. 
but your wonderful wife also put a lounge chair down there for me, so I'm also comfortable. Yeah, nice. Except for when it's freezing cold, <laughs> which has happened. But in the middle of that, God started talking to me, and he's like, what are you thankful for in all of this? Oh, right. Well, God, the fact that I'm here, the fact that I have a place that I'm safe to talk to you about and to process this stuff without getting distracted by noises or the billion other things that my brain likes to do. The fact that I can talk to you about this, that you're not, you know, he was like, he's like, I'm not afraid of your pain. I'm not, I'm not telling you you're weird or you're wrong. And he's like, what, what are you thankful for? And we started going over the list and I was like, oh, okay, right. This isn't the end of the world. My life isn't completely ending in this moment. I was able to start connecting with him more and the more I connected with him. It didn't take away the pain completely, but I was able to enjoy being with him again and look at it differently and write it down and, and process it in a way that before before I started thanking God for things, I couldn't do it. Because in that moment, what happened was your lens... Mm-hmm shifted like you were refocusing on what's real the reality of the situation is that god is good Mm -hmm. but we can't see it sometimes and so i love that whole lens refocusing thing we need to refocus in thanksgiving is what gets us there Mm -hmm. i love how first thessalonians 5 16 through 17 says rejoice always yeah. How do you rejoice always? Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Isn't it interesting there's an equation there? Yeah. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals joy. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says prayer plus yeah. thanksgiving equals peace. Interesting, right? Peace and joy come from prayer. Yeah. Constantly bringing our anxiety to God when we notice it. When we pray and give thanks, we are realigning ourselves with true reality, Mm. right? A lot of the times our anxiety is a general feeling, right? Yeah. It's not really detailed. It's not specific. And so it's just kind of there. This anxious feeling is kind of just filling up the space. And when we become specific about things we're thankful for, it's like a cloud, we begin to poke holes in that cloud and the sun begins to come through. God's light shines through the light of his love. And we begin to see the reality that's actually there. Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What does that word follow mean? We tend to think of it as a passive word. Mm-hmm. Following sounds kind of passive. But uh, I, I can't remember who it was now, although I did save the link somewhere. He says it's, it's that celestial stallion chasing you down. There's an intentionality and a pursuit about it that is anything but passive. Yeah. Hebrew words are, you know, like unlike our words, they're pictures. Mm. And so that idea of follow is really like a warrior on a stallion, that picture of a warrior chasing down their prey, right? God is a God of goodness and mercy, and he is, the reality is he is chasing us down with his goodness. Mm. He's overcoming us with goodness. We will be overcome by God's goodness the more we pray and give thanks, rather than be overcome by our anxiety. It is literally the promise of yeah. God. Literally the promise of God. 
And perfect example, David was strengthened by that goodness. And he became a warrior, knowing that God had promised, yeah, go take care of it. And so what happens? What's the rest of the story? How does it end? In 18, it says, David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoils or anything that had been taken. David brought it all back. And also David captured all the flocks and herds of the Amalekites. And that is a great story. And it also is reality. It happened. Mm -hmm. And it also will happen for us more than we realize that nothing will be missing in our lives when we seek to give our anxiety to God in prayer with thanksgiving. Now that doesn't mean that we will get everything in every circumstance like what happened with David. Mm -hmm. But here's what won't be missing. Peace. Yeah. And joy. Here's the difference between happiness and joy. Mm. Happiness is a feeling we get that's dependent on what's happening. <laughs> right? Yeah. Happiness is a feeling we get that's dependent on what's happening. You know what that's also called? The law of diminishing returns. Mm. First time somebody has sex or someone shoots heroin for the first time. It's an incredible high, that happiness. For the rest of their lives, they're chasing that first high, that first sexual experience, that first kiss, that first thing. I find that in games. I buy a new game. It's amazing. I love it. And then I'm chasing that first feeling for every time I play, right? There's great times with friends, but over time it wears, right? Yeah. It gets boring. That's happiness. Happiness is the law of diminishing returns. Joy is something else. Joy is the law of increasing returns. So looking back at that first verse, but in the Passion Translation, it says, let joy be your continual feast. That means an overabundance of food. It's not just a little bit. It's not just barely enough. It's a spread. It's, mm. you know, you keep eating, you're going to pop your pants. You know, <laughs> some buttons are coming undone. Sorry, I watch a lot of cartoons. What can I say? That's where my brain went with that one. But it is. There's not just enough. There's more than enough. And a continual feast means that there's more than enough joy for us to keep going with it. It's that supply that never ends. Yeah. The mm -hmm. feast of joy. That's the promise of God that that will never be missing. Yeah. If we pray with thanksgiving, if we learn this process. Now, it takes practice. What's the beauty of the word practice? It means that you're not expected to get it all right. Right. You're learning. Yes. Which is a safe place. Yes. Because it's not about your performance. Right. Because you have a God who loves you. He's your father and your coach. And as your father and as your coach, he's not like some fathers who are coaches that yell at their kids and expect more from their kids than everybody else and are never satisfied. Mm. Remember the reality of God. He is mercy and goodness mm. chasing you to overcome you with that peace and joy all the days of your life. So think of mercy and goodness, peace and joy as a coach on the sidelines. 
whenever we're off base, whenever we're off targets, whenever... We're running down the wrong side of the field. Right. Or the enemy comes at us and we don't flip well, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We don't practice spiritual Aikido well. God is never going to condemn us. In fact, right, Paul writes to a letter to the Romans in Romans 8.1, says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because God is always serving us. Jesus at our feet, washing our feet. That's where Jesus is. He is the servant to us. God is our servant at our feet, taking care of us. He's not above us, condemning us. So spiritual practices are not something to get right and do it right perfectly. It's a journey. So we're growing into learning how to notice our worries and give them to God in prayer with thanksgiving and discover the joy and the peace that's a feast that fills us, that we're not missing that. Mm -hmm. Growing into that, that's the law of increasing returns. We grow into that and discover that more and more. And happiness as the law of decreasing returns pales in comparison to that. Mm -hmm. Pales in comparison. It's an invitation. Prayer with thanksgiving. Samuel chapter 1. Basically, this is a story of a woman in a culture that children, especially sons, mm-hmm. were the highest honor, right? Mm-hmm. And she is childless. In that society, having two wives was not uncommon. And so she is one of two wives, and the other is having kids, and she isn't. Yeah. And she's distraught because that is, it's a shame-honor culture, and this is bringing shame to her and to her husband. Will you read the part where she goes to the sanctuary of God, the temple, and at that time it was called the tabernacle. Will you read when Hannah goes there and what happens? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. (laughs) And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And how did she go away? Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. There it is, right? When we take on the practice of spiritual Aikido, which is prayer with thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. we leave it on the field, right? All of our burdens, all of our anxiety, we can leave it on the field. Mm And left it on the field and walked away encouraged at peace. Leave it on the field. After practice is over, 
that is the law of increasing returns to continually grow in leaving it on the field and walking away with courage and peace and joy. That's it. That's it. Why don't you pray for us on this uh, day after Thanksgiving? <laughs> when we started this, did we think that it would revolve around Thanksgiving? It's like God knows, knows what he's doing or something. Why don't you pray? All right. Dad, thank you that we can trust you. You are so good, Dad, and it's only a sign of, of how poor our lens is that we don't turn to you at every moment. Dad, thank you that you are trustworthy, that even when we're faithless, you say that you remain faithful because you can't deny who you are. Dad, in this season where, where Thanksgiving is such a big deal, I just ask that we would take the time to truly see who you are who we are and where you're moving in our lives. We're coming into the holiday season and Father, let's be honest, there are plenty of us out there where this is actually a really hard season for us, myself included. But your invitation is always open. You say if we keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking that you will be found, that you will open the doors and that you will answer. And it's not a one-time invitation, Father. Thank you for that. Mm. Thank you that it is a moment-by-moment invitation to continue to seek, to continue to knock, and to continue to ask. And I ask that this would be a season where you would help change our lens. Your invitation is to always to just be with you, and that's so much of what prayer is, is simply being aware of you in the moment. And listening for you. And you said that you that you treat us as friends. Yes. And the best part about being friends, Dad, is that there's communication. And it's two ways. Dad, and there's so much joy in honest communication with friends. I just ask that you would help us to find that in you in this season. That even if it's just one thing in that moment, that you would help us to focus on what Philippians goes on to say, whatever is true, whatever is good whatever is right, whatever is profitable, Father, that that would be our focus in this. I ask this for our friends, anyone listening, that we would walk out in the joy and thankfulness and peace that is our inheritance as your kids. Mm. That it's not something we have to struggle for, Father, but you said that it's our right as your children to have it. Help us to believe that. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You know what I'm thankful for, Kim? You. That goes both ways. I'm pretty thankful for you too, brother. Thank you uh, for listening to God and being willing to lay it all out there on these episodes with me. And thank you for inviting me in the first place. So anytime, anywhere. Well, speaking of which, we'll be back (laughs) again very soon. Till next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. Before you go, let me ask you a question. Are you stuck in any way in your life? Whether it's being stuck in past wounds that you can't seem to get over, or whether it's just being stuck in certain patterns of thinking and behaving now that you just can't seem to get past, or you feel stuck when it comes to the future, you want to know what God has for you and how to move into that. Well, let me help you with that. As a coach, my goal is to help you discover who God made you to be. 
What is your unique identity? Let me help you discover that because everything else you want out of life flows from that. If you're interested in having a consultation with me, you can reach me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, you are God's beloved, so be loved. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.